The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Ooh, we we crushed it last week too. I know, dude. We waffled people. We actually waffled. lived up to my potential. Yeah, Put them in the well, waffle maker and smashed them. Not Welcome this to the week. bleachers. The bleacher Blums is open. I got my cup of coffee. Blummer is on vacation. I don't know if I'll be able to pay for it someday. Hopefully, <laughs> maybe. But I am on vacation. It's official. I am in Park City, Utah. Never been here. And Tuttle can attest to this. My good buddy who co-hosts this uh, podcast, the Bleacher Blums podcast with me. Being ballplayers, and there's certain aspects of our contract where you're you're willing to take a risk. And there are certain activities that you do in the offseason that you know is a calculated risk. Can I I survive this? Am I good enough at what I'm doing to know that I'm not going to harm my future? And snow sports were one of those things for me, Tuttle, where I did not participate until I retired. Uh, surfing I would do, skateboarding I would do, uh, <clears throat> motorcycle riding I would do. Uh, <laughs> uh, so there were certain things that I knew I could handle. Were you aware of that clause in your our contracts that said you couldn't do certain things? And were you scared of any of them? Or did you break any of the rules now that we can talk about it, now that we're well past our prime? Yeah, so... Uh- Yes, is the short answer. Uh, I played well, we need basketball. a long answer. This is podcast right. form, dude. Let it Sorry. rip. Sorry. <laughs> yes, you're right. Got to let it rip. So basketball, I played all the time, and I always came up Ooh, with a lame ankle. that's a good ankle. one. But I always came up with a lame ankle. I'm like, this is getting me in shape. And then I was like, oh, and I tweaked my ankle, and I was like, oh, on the shelf for like, you know, off-season, though, tweak, not like surgical yeah. tweak. I would be like, all right, I guess I'll limp well, around for enough. a while. But- yeah, in the minor leagues, though, as you may know, it wasn't like I was going to big league camp or sign this big deal like when I was young, like you. Like, you just go to these, you know, you're going to minor league camp. As long as you can walk in the locker room, you know, you can play it <laughs> off pretty well. So, basketball was one that I got away with, but I was represented by, um, uh, we've talked about this before, but I was represented by Matt Williams' agent. And Matt Williams uh, hit a tree going 60 miles an hour in a snowmobile right oh. after he signed a big deal with the Giants. And, um, that was like, oh, that kind of, it was weird because that was when I was getting closer to, you know, I think I'd gone to a big league camp and I was like creeping my way up the ladder trying to get to where you were. And uh, and I was like, you know, I probably shouldn't go 
snowboarding and I probably shouldn't go <laughs> snowmobiling. And I probably, so to your point, and I think you're mentioning Park City, I skied when I was a little kid. I played hockey till I was 12 on the East Coast. Oh, that's right. I, I can forgot still, about that. Yeah, I could still ice skate. I mean, things are fun, but I gave up winter sports when I was playing baseball. It was certainly on the, I guess, the forefront of my brain. And so, you know, I, I'm sure you'll go skiing in Park City, but when you get out there, you'll be like, all right. I think I can handle this. Are you going to go skiing? That I guess that's the bigger question. Yeah, that's the. I mean, obviously that's the first question. But my background, my my mm -hmm. my modest recreational background is surfing and skateboarding. So the oh. natural transition for me. Now, when I retired, I was forty years old, and the first family vacation we had after I retired is we booked tickets in California. We went straight to Mammoth Mountain. And uh, we went up there. Uh, I love how uh, our kids, Tuttle and I met at a school where our kids had uh, a break in February <laughs> called, what was it, Ski Week? <laughs> the Southern oh, yeah. California School had Ski Week. That, that was probably one of the funniest things I've ever been involved with. But we would go up for Ski Week and we got to go. And I strapped on a uh, snowboard. And I learned how to do the falling leaf going down the mountain and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Had a blast. Yes, I had bruises on my butt. Yeah, I would just kind of drift, just a falling leaf, yeah. front yeah. and back. You know, I'd get in everybody's way and didn't care. Right. And uh, fell on my butt a couple of times and uh, didn't break any wrists. It didn't do anything of that sort. Uh, but uh, was on my backside a little bit, but we had a blast. And I think I'm probably going to try and do the same thing up here in Park City. So stay tuned on Instagram as you see vacation blummer making his way down the slopes uh we haven't had a big vacation for the family because normally during the middle of the summer we go to lake havasu and do that kind of thing but with the lockout i didn't have enough time off uh now i've got plenty of time off tongue in cheek <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> what are we talking about blummer no let me uh, let me interject because yeah. the the ski week thing was a uh that was a yeah please explain no that was a um because we don't send our kids to private school uh, anymore anyway. It was kind of like a babysitting, you know, Montessori type deal when we met. But we kept the kids in private school all the way through sixth grade, I think. And, you know, the prices went up and all that. But it was the best money I ever spent. I got to meet you and here we are on the podcast, yeah. right? So, but my wife would be like, you know, public school has 180 mandatory days. Um, we go to private school, you're paying, you know, your tax dollars are going to public school. Your private school money is going to get this great education for these kids. They had like four day school weeks all the time. They're like, oh yeah, all it's a teacher's time. in service. And my, my wife would be like, what are we going to do with the kids, right? When they're little, <laughs> right? she would freak out. Like, and we couldn't keep it together. So then you add to your point, you add ski week. So everybody loves to think like, oh, how does the other half live? Like, oh, those wealthy people over there. It's like, dude, it was cramping our style. And then you had ski week and then you <laughs> go back time. to school for three. Yeah. You had ski week and then you had three weeks of school and then you had spring break. They're like, what in the, you know, I think the kids had like 130 days of school and in public, they would get 180. You're like, wait a second, I'm paying more money to go to less school? Yeah. Like, I ain't oh. smart, apparently, and I'm paying for that. So anyway, that just, yeah. I'm glad to hear that other parents. That whole dynamic, like, like you just, you nailed it. I mean, that's yeah. just, it's so true. It's like you're, you're paying for the luxury of going to school when you want. Is that That's really right. the best thing to do? I know we're going to get a lot of feedback on that one. <laughs> no, I want feedback on that. I yeah. mean, and, and you know, you and I both met families that were uh, probably at a tax bracket above our tax bracket. 
Um, and I don't, yeah. you know, that's not, and so you meet those people and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to go to like Timbuktu for ski week. And then we're going to come back <laughs> and then we're going to go to Australia Can I get for, to go to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, oh yeah. We're going to tie ski week and spring break together. So that three weeks in between, we're not going to be at school. So we're just going to do yes. five weeks in Australia. And you're like, what? We can't do that. <laughs> anyway. So that's probably a whole nother podcast, not Dude, for I Christmas and, and winter, uh, hot, uh, hot stove winter, uh, baseball talk, but Dude, I'm glad to hear that just was refreshing to hear that you guys were like, yeah, we had ski week and that. So, we, and we tried a couple ski weeks in Mammoth and it was fine. So, oh, it was great. No, it was, it was a blast. It's something you got to go out and do. And it's all about the experience. And, you know, fortunately being able to do that, we've got family up here. I'm actually staying at a, a, a uncle's cabin. And this guy has been hyper successful and, uh, so as as much as it sounds like I'm going on this bougie vacation, I'm completely mooching off my wonderful Uncle John, who's an amazing human <laughs> being. And when I grow up, I want to be just like him. But uh, Tuttle, the the Christmas break, what what are the plans for the Tuttles, man? Are we staying local? Do you, are you going to have family down? How does that work? All right. So f- great question. Family arrived uh, yesterday. My mom's here now, so that's oh you know, strong. Help. How good, how come we don't have mom on the bleacher blums? Ah, uh, maybe one of these days. Maybe next week. Gosh, we'll see. She's such yeah. a loyal listener. Oh yeah, give her a squeeze and for me. Tell her I said I will. Hi. I absolutely will. That's a great. That's great. Thank you. I appreciate like that. It. So she got arrived. She arrived yesterday doing some wrapping for us. We got to do some. Uh, wiki, you know, wiki wiki wiki. Some last minute. Yeah, the wrapping. Not that wrapping. <laughs> That's scratching anyway. Um, some last minute shopping, some last minute wrapping, but uh, yeah, so she'll be down, but we're going to be in a cabin. I got to send you a photo. We're going to go to Montana. We're going to Bozeman oh, after shit. New Year's though, after New Year. Oh, I want to see this. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we'll be podcasting. I, I got to get that little podcast thing together. So we'll podcast out there if they have Wi-Fi. So I'm going to do the cabin thing as well. It looks like I mean, we're verboing it, but it looks like where uh, my cousin Vinny stayed when the car got stuck in the mud. Oh, nice. I mean, it's like out, like, you know. Yeah, there's nothing the else out there. The rickety front well, porch, yeah. Screeching, <laughs> screeching owls and a, and a storm maybe, but yeah, it should be. We're, we're going to be out. out of bed like, every 30 seconds going, what was <laughs> yeah, that? <laughs> yeah, what was that? Does that train come through here every morning? It, no. Um, anyway, that's a whole different scene, but. Anyway, yeah, no, so we we are going away. We're going up to Montana. Uh, Bozeman is That's a place awesome. we've been before. I think similar to you, like we may give, you know, it's also zero degrees or like 10 below at times. So if it's 20 degrees, it's different, but it's a, it's a little chillier up there. So we may give the old uh, snowboard a run one day, but mostly we're going yeah. up there to uh, just get away from it all. So got a couple oh, days up there. Oh, that's going to be great. So. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny that I get on a plane, leave Houston, come here to Park City, and it's actually going to be warmer here at 20 degrees than it is in Houston. I don't know if you've heard, but there's this big Arctic blast coming through the south, and it's going to drop down into the teens, and then you're going to have wind chill factors. And, you know, dear God, please let ERCOT, who is the energy corporation down there, keep the freaking electricity on for everybody down there for me, please. But uh, it's amazing to me that I can live in an environment where I can literally, like we talked about last uh, podcast, I can have sweaty balls and then go for, to potentially busting every pipe in my house because it gets so damn cold. And it's it's bizarre. I mean, my kids, my wife and I, we are we are prepared, prepared for every element that is re- going to be thrown at us. 
hurricanes. I've been through earthquakes. I've been through, ex you know, extensive heat. Now I'm going through these Arctic blasts, you know, bring it on. But I just hope that everybody, just a little note here, everybody listening to this podcast, you're probably going to be listening during the freeze. So just know that we're thinking about you, hoping that everything goes well, keep the electricity on, uh, stay prepared. One thing I learned last time we had the, the, um, the freeze and the electricity went out. My wife, I don't know how, was an absolute genius. I'm out there wrapping everything up. I'm, you know, keeping faucets, opening cabinets, doing things. She kept a pot boiling of water on the on the top of the stove because we had gas the entire time. We didn't have electricity for I think 43 hours, I think. And the temp in the house got down to like 55. But she kept a pot of water boiling in the in the kitchen. And I mean, dude, that that was an absolute lifesaver, man. It kept like the humidity up and it kept like the warmth. And we just hung out in the kitchen in the family room. It was genius. So if there's one recommendation, if you have gas, just keep a pot of boiling water, a massive pot. I mean, it was awesome, dude. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard yeah. anything like that or have any tips. No, no, I don't have any tips, but I think, you know, obviously defer to the wife who got tips yeah. from around the neighborhood. And, you know, it's funny, we we do this podcast for baseball fans and, you know, a lot of Astros, Giants fans, hopefully, but um, I think we could probably do a whole podcast on the Houston weather since it seems to come up often. Like you Dude. said, you can be shorts one day and then, I mean, at least in Park City whether it's warmer or colder than Houston, it's going to be consistent. You're going to be between like yes. 15 degrees and 35 degrees the whole time you're there. And, you know, golden. Yeah, it's a roller coaster ride. And I'm, I'm sorry, I, this, and we, we could literally do a podcast. This is this is us in a parking lot right now. This is how, this was the genesis of this podcast. People are going to be like, hey, <laughs> I have a <laughs> question for you what, though. Yeah. So this goes. This will get going. We got to get rolling here, folks. Uh, <laughs> so you mentioned the holiday movies last time. Have you seen any of the holiday movies yet? Has Christmas Vacation, Die Hard? Oh yeah. Any of your? Oh okay. You've seen them all already. Do we? So we mandatory sat down with the family, watched Christmas Vacation, um, and I actually use a reference in uh, from that movie during the season. So stay tuned. You know, it, when uh, somebody hits a home run in a big moment, I'll kind of lean back and TK will be going nuts, and I'll go. It's the big one, you know, <laughs> when he gets go. the bonus. So, you know, I'll do bonus. that. But we also, uh, we've thrown Elf out there, watched Elf the other day, <laughs> which is which is good. And uh, that's kind of the beginning of it. I'm sure we'll get a couple right. more in before this uh, before this is over. You've already seen Christmas Vacation and Elf. You're ahead of me. You're two ahead of me. So I think Love Actually is on, on the plate for <sighs> Before Christmas coming up. We already talked about that. My but daughters as I mentioned, have already put that on the, in the queue. Well, They're ready to go. But my mom's in town, and so still we talked about the the, the fast forward. I know just the one scene where they're just the like, "Oh doubles. yeah, so what are you doing?" The stunt doubles. You're like, "Oh god, it's still uncomfortable, no matter what." And your you're parents like, are hey, like, "You want right, to go out for coffee after this?" <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's really funny. So yeah, we haven't got there, but you know, my daughter will not will not uh, let us get away with. Uh, not hearing cotton headed nitty muggins a few times. So we're oh, going to have to watch that nice. tonight, probably. So, nice. anyway, all right, let's, we get, let's get rolling, people. How about, we, how about we go to a break real quick and we'll get back with some baseball? The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. 
Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And we're back. We appreciate the Blue Wire Podcast Network hooking us up. Got to get those advertisements in there because all of you at home listening, you always subscribe and you always share and you rate and review. And that's why we get those ads in there so that we can get paid to give you some enjoyment. And Christmas is coming still in Major League Baseball, most notably for the Chicago, well, it might be the Chicago teams, period, because the White Sox and Cubs have some notable signings. I know that Tuttle is hard at work researching. I think it was Andrew Benintendi who went to the White Sox. And we finally got, we finally got the fourth shortstop off the board, Dansby Swanson. And I think this is, if you were going to pick a guy to play in a particular city, this might have been, other than Atlanta, because Dansby Swanson is an interesting case for me. I think he was a system guy. I think he was in a perfect pocket with the Atlanta Braves, playing shortstop for them, wasn't the marquee guy. You had the Ronald Acunas. You had the Freddie Freemans. Then you moved to Matt Olson. Uh, you know, you had Riley at third base. There were some great core guys around Dansby Swanson that allowed him to flourish in that lineup. He went out. He got paid. He is now a Chicago Cub, which I think is a great fit. And the Cubs are doing some interesting things. I know Tuttle's got some thoughts on this, but I think it's a great fit. But I'm just kind of curious, is Dansby being that high money number one guy? I know he was a number one pick. I know he was highly touted coming out of Vandy. But I don't know if he's the guy that's going to move my team in the right direction. I know he's a great piece, but I don't know if he's the piece. He's not the Carlos Correa. He's not the Xander Bogarts. He's not uh, you know, that Trey Turner, that game-changing for me personally. I think he's a nice piece, but I don't know how you feel about it, Tuttle. So you're going to enlighten me and huh. talk a little bit about what the Cubs are doing because they're trying to come back, man. They are. You know, I. it's hard to do a rebuild, but when you look at, you know, I, Swanson kind of got rid of the Killer B theme, right? So they had signed Brad Boxberger, which was a small deal, but then yeah. they got Cody Bellinger, and then they signed um, – who else did they sign in there? Uh, oh, they signed Jamison Tyon. So they got Tyon and Boxberger, and then they got uh, Bellinger, and, uh, and now they have Swanson. And I kind of agree with you. Like, Bellinger – could be a piece, you know, Swanson could be a piece, right, if they kind of regain form. But I, I, we've talked about this all the time, like capturing the energy. I mean, definitely not a Correa, definitely not a Trey Turner. But I do think, you know, system is a weird is a weird word, right? Like with system quarterbacks they talk about. I mean, it really has to do with the chemistry and then where he sits in the lineup. And I think we touched on this last time, which is Carlos Correa is, uh, you're going to put him in the three hole or the four hole. Um, he's right in the middle of your lineup. Trey Turner's going to bat one or two in that lineup, but be the, you know, kind of the the spark plug and, and you know, everything you need. Some of the guys that have signed in previous years, even like a Tatis or a um, Machado, those guys are middle of the order. 
I don't see Swanson coming in being like the three, four hitter in your lineup. He's good at seven, eight, um, almost like Jeremy Pena, which is great. Like Jeremy Pena may grow into as rookie of the year, may grow into a franchise type guy, mm-hmm. but he's almost better and with less pressure. And that's because he's young. I'm not, I guess it's not a fair comparison, but he's a young guy that could grow into a franchise guy. Swanson's kind of already been there. And I think you're right. He's, he's a really good piece. And so maybe the Cubs are looking at it like they're putting the puzzle pieces together to build a championship team, which is fair. And he could certainly be that, but I agree. And I think the, the money reflects that, right? I mean, yeah. 175 million is not 300. It's not 350. It's not 280. So I, I think the market probably reflected appropriately where Dansby Swanson fits. And I do remember he was a high pick, like you said, out of Vanderbilt for the Diamondbacks. And the yeah. Diamondbacks turned him around like a year or two in, like right away. Like, oh, hey, like we'll Dude, send him quick. over here. And so. You know, and you know this too, being in the business. Like there are teams that covet guys that not every team covets. And the Braves probably saw, hey, like the Diamondbacks saw a deal to get more value, but the Braves were like, hey, this guy will be a good fit if we have, as you mentioned, the guys around him um, that they do. And they obviously went on and won a World Series. So I think the fact that he plays a premium position skillfully, you know, at a yes. certainly at a high level, um, on, on a on a World Series team. And the way the market was going, I, I actually think they hit the I think they hit the mark with this. And so we'll have to see yeah. if the Cubs are aiming for it all. I think you mentioned was this off air, but um, you know, you always have to contend with the St. Louis Cardinals, but it's not the strongest, toughest division in the world. Um no. it's gonna be the Cubs and the it's probably gonna be the Cubs and the Cardinals, depending on, you know, pitching. The Brewers get a little sneaky, but it's not, yeah, there's only two or three teams that you talk about in the National League Central. The, you know, that's what's crazy. I mean, we'll talk about the White Sox here in just a second, but I'm with you. I, I love what you said about Dansby Swanson. You know, he's not a guy that you're gonna plug in there. You know, maybe he's a leadoff guy because he gets on base a lot, but he's not that three, four, five where you're gonna go, okay, I'm paying this guy an exuberant amount of money and he's gonna drive in all these runs. He's gonna be a thunderous bat in the middle of my lineup. I think you nailed it with the fact that he's maybe more of a seven, eight, nine guy, but he'll be probably hitting two, I would imagine. If I'm David Ross, the manager of the Cubs, I'd probably put him in that two spot because I am paying him a crap ton of money and fans are going to want to watch this guy play. So I'm going to give him as many at-bats as I can. But putting him in the two spot, and it's not because of the analytical idea of a Mike Trout hitting two in the sense that you get him more at-bats, you get him more opportunities with guys on base. I think he's more of the traditional, I mean, that 80s, 90s shortstop where he was very good defensively, early 90s, you know, very good defensively, kind of a Jeter type, just kind of a captain guy that goes out there, slaps the ball around the occasional home run, get a big hit when you need it, play an excellent defense, and be a leader in that clubhouse, maybe hitting that two spot and be a little more of a traditional two guy. But uh, they do have some pieces. The contract is complimentary to the team to be able to go out there and do something. We know the Ricketts family has a joke amount of money. It's just a matter of spending it appropriately. The, in order to compete in that division, You really, I don't feel like you have to do much. It's the Cardinals to take it from them. I, I agree. I think that was a very good analysis of a, what a Dansby Swanson is going to bring to the team. Now, if you go to the south side, the American League Central is crazy. I don't, I don't know how the White Sox haven't run away with this over the years. The Minnesota Twins, the Cleveland Guardians, the Guardians are continually good. 
Um, they just know how to compete. Terry Francona, I think you and I would both agree. If we could go back in time and play for a guy, I think Terry Francona would be that guy. Uh, he, he seems to be very good. I've had interaction with him. He's fantastic. But he finds a way to motivate these guys. But the White Sox signed Andrew Benintendi. They've got a couple of pieces around there. But their talent is so young, so good. I think they uh, they picked up the option on Tim Anderson, who I think in this upcoming year is going to be very very good in comparison to his 2022 season because I don't know how many people pay attention to this, but he had a lot of off-field issues. It was injuries. There were some personal problems. I think once he gets all that cleaned up and comes back, he will be the leader of that team again. But Benintendi, I think, is a good move, especially for, I think you we talked about it, $15 million a year for five years is probably a pretty solid move to have somebody in their outfield and try and force a couple of guys that they had in their outfield that shouldn't have been playing there and force those guys to play first base where they're going to be better defensively and better offensively. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> we just jumped from, obviously, uh, one Chicago team to the next. And I will say this. I mean, I... <laughs> You know, I mean, we can continue to joke. It's not so tongue in cheek, but they got rid of some, you know, some dead weight, uh, still a live weight, but Tony Larusa, and I do think it's this is <laughs> might be the biggest offseason move of the year. <laughs> I I would agree with you. I mean, I think it's put up or shut up time. And you mentioned Tim Anderson, as we always do. Pedro Grafol is the new manager. Pedro Grafol, if I recall, because I'm a little bit older than you, was a teammate of Eduardo Perez at Florida State. He was a high pick, right. but certainly knows the game pretty well. I think he grew up in the U.S., but obviously bilingual, so he works well with those guys. I think the White Sox got Hosmer. The White Sox have Hosmer now. So you have Hosmer, Grandal, Tim Anderson, um, obviously the the one of the Oh, uh, you still have some Roberts. good pieces, but you yeah. guys, oh right? But you guys, you guys took one of their big pieces, which is fine. Houston, I say <laughs> you guys, like uh, but but I mean at least they I, did for the time being. There you go, right? They did for the time being. But I, I but I do think <laughs> I do think it's theirs for the taking, but I also think similar, you mentioned David Ross, the manager of the Cubs and, you know, the rebuild, and obviously he's a well-liked guy, but I, it's so funny to think about this quickly and go, oh, like this is the year. I think this is the year for kind of the Chicago teams. Like David Ross is not going to manage, if they start out five and 20, like they're going to be like, no, you know, he's not the guy. Um, but if they start out 20 and five with all these pieces that they've added, then maybe he is the guy. And I think, um, Pedro Grafol, not you know, on, not the weight on his shoulders, but I think this is the year for the White Sox to um, win the division, or or they're going to have to make some changes over there as well. And I know the fans would agree with that because it's it's time. They, you said this before. We've talked about this is the window, right? You can't just yeah. get oh, rid man. of the, the young talent year after year after year after year and not do anything with it. I actually think Grafol is coming into a good situation because just the issues that Tony Larusa had. Uh, we, we, we talked about it at length. We, we disagreed with that move immediately. And I don't know if there's any regret, uh, but I think Grafol is coming into a great situation because I think that clubhouse was exhausted with Tony La Russa. Like you said, they've got a younger, energetic, bilingual, somebody who understands, you know, both the Latin and American side, knows how to play the game here in the States. Uh, I think this younger generation of managers does a very good job of, of motivating the team, but also motivating the individual. And I think that's where managing's kind of shifted a little bit. You can't just go in and flip a table in front of 26 guys and expect to motivate them. I think you need to go in there and and pick your pockets when you get loud, pick your pockets when you're going to be uh, sensitive or motivate. And he's going to go in and get these guys in the right direction. Now, on the other side, I think, you know, the team dynamic and maybe talk about a little bit about the player when you shift 
to that manager that might be a little more conducive to you and playing under him instead of going, man, what's this old dude going to have us do today? Or is he going to be awake at the end of the dugout? I think there's going to be a renewed energy. And I think this might, I think that's good talk about the window for the White Sox. It's something that, uh, I know a lot of fans hate me talking about, but the White Sox, I think, have tried to model the Astros' moves as far as dra drafting, developing, and signing free agents and going international. And now maybe Grafol's the right guy to get those guys motivated to play up to their potential. I agree that this might be a good year for the White Sox. You know, we saw a bigger turnaround in Houston, and you mentioned, you know, losing 100 games and then turning it around and winning 100 games. The, the White Sox aren't looking for something that True. drastic. That's a but, good point. But... But, you know, we've said this before too, right? Though uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, right? So if you see teams having success, why would you get stuck in your same old way? So I haven't looked at the scouting department and how they've done it, but I do think building from within... I mean, that's why the White Sox are so talented, and they were able to, you know, yeah. uh, get rid of... Uh, who, who's the guy that the Astros signed, the big guy? Jose Abreu. Not, yeah, Jose Abreu, because they still have Eloy Jimenez. Anyway, so Jose Abreu was kind of... You know, these guys are all homegrown. I mean, they have six or seven guys there that were homegrown, yeah. uber-talented guys. You know, now you add some pitching. I mean, maybe they're following the Astros' template. Somebody should follow the Astros' template if the White Sox aren't, <laughs> because they're having a lot of success building, you know, like you said, internationally, scouting, getting the arms in, signing the right free agents. Um, and, you know, some of that is luck and some of that is skill. But I do think uh, the window... They don't have to make such a drastic change. It's a it's not as strong yep. um, of a challenge to go from winning, like you said, 75, 80 games to winning 90 to 95. It's just getting that little tweak in there. And as you said, maybe it's the manager, um, you know, a young uh, kind of hip manager. And, and, you know, it doesn't have to do with age. We've talked about Dusty Baker and Buck Showalter. Yeah, I mean, there are guys right. that understand human beings, and then there are guys that are my way or the highway. We've all had coaches like that. We've had managers like that. And um, I just think he'll probably have his finger on the pulse a little more effectively than Tony LaRusso. And so it'll be interesting to see how the uh, Southsiders do this year. And I know they're near and dear to your heart. So if they win, your uh, your statue gets a little more publicity. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yep. And just one quick note on the Houston Astros. One of those subtle moves that maybe snuck through over the national media, but internally down in Houston. This is something that you and I both love this guy. And he's one of those guys that is analytically profound, but he's also he can also cover some of that noise that analytics talk about. The X factor, that guy in the clubhouse who, who can stir the pot a little bit, maybe motivate guys, maybe encourage guys, maybe, maybe watch your swing or watch your delivery and help you become a better ball player. And that guy is Michael Brantley. They signed him back to a one-year deal, $12 million. He's still rehabbing that right shoulder. And this is a guy, when he is healthy, is going to be great. He is going to continue to hit. He's hit 300 every single year in an Astros uniform. He helped. He was on the bench during that entire playoff run, had a couple of talks with these guys, maybe when they weren't feeling as good as they were after, I think it was after game three, rumors got out that he had a little bit of a team meeting and said, you know, what the hell's going on? You guys are better than this. They proceeded to go out and win the World Series. And I think that signing of Michael Brantley is huge just in the sense that you can you can wait until he's healthy. You don't have to go out there and sign the Benintendis for $15 million for five years. You don't have to extend these contracts like Brandon Nimmo or a, a Conforto. You don't have to go over there and overspend. You can take a chance on a guy like Michael Brantley and know you're going to get consistency and you're going to get excellence in that clubhouse. Love the signing. 
I know that you're probably going to love on him even more, but I just think it is a very prudent and very smart sign for the Astros because once he's healthy, he can split a little bit of time out there in left field with Jordan Alvarez. He can DH yet when Jordan's out there in left field. But what a, what a great left-handed bat to bring back into the lineup. And remember, we'll talk about this later in the offseason. Some of these rules, the shift being one of them, is definitely going to benefit a guy like Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, and now Michael Brantley. Absolutely. That's a really good point. I, You know, it's funny because we just talked about managers and being young and uh, aware and have your finger on the pulse of your team, but you always forget about the veteran presence. And you've mentioned yeah. guys consistently throughout your career that either took you under their wing or you could have a conversation with, or they showed you something at the highest level that you didn't even see before like hey watch this or watch that and you're like oh yeah i get it and that's kind of the experience yep. that you gain michael brantley is definitely one of those guys and to your point with the shift i mean he hits 300 every year he's a professional hitter a professional man of leisure and a professional hitter but you forget about it's like having a coach on the bench because yep. he can talk to you and he can see things that your hitting coach can't. Um, he can also talk to you, you know, man to man, player to player, as you mentioned that the rumors got out that he kind of had a speech. Like when he's in the trenches with you doing it, there's a there's a kind of a unwritten rule there of respect. And I also the last thing on Michael Brantley, which is, I mean, $12 million in this day and age to have a 300 hitter kind of in the middle of it's yeah, it's it's what we said about Correa at the end of his at, at the end of his career. Yeah. He's not gonna he's not gonna be a dent in the payroll. So boy, Dusty Baker should just be um thrilled to have a guy like this, um, you know coming to spring training, you know, getting back on the, you know, the healthy train. And as you said, Jordan's not 140 guys in the out, 140 games guy in the outfield. So who better to, you know, have out there than another 300 hitter instead of having to, you know, use the utility guy on, you know, certain days. Um, yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be another, you know, probably just another feather in the Astros World Series championship hat <laughs> that, uh, you know, the, the strong gets stronger. So. They do. And how about this? To finish off this podcast, speaking of the strong getting stronger, we had a matchup in our fantasy football league between the bangers and the prestige worldwide. That's and right. I can't even remember Here we come. Who, who came out on top. But the fact of the matter is that the first round of the playoffs, you and I both knocked off some top seeds. I was, you had the sixth seed. I had the seventh seed. I absolutely pummeled, I think, the number two seed. You went out there and rocked it. And now we have the matchup. We are now in the semis between the Bangers and Prestige Worldwide. It is all on the line to get into the Fantasy Football Championship. Oh, dear God, this is going to be incredible. I've, I spent that first week of the playoffs going, man, if I lose, man, I don't have to worry about this next week. And now not only do I have to worry about my lineup, <laughs> i got to worry about beating my boy across the way, dude. How pumped are you right now? I'm pumped. I'm hitting the waiver wire. I haven't hit the waiver wire all year. I'm going to steal some guys that you're going to try and pick up for the last I week am. here. Because you're always on the <laughs> waiver wire. I'm getting on there right after this podcast, going to pick up some guys that you want. And then I'm going to beat you with them. I'm going to pummel you with those guys. Of course, I believe you still have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Is that your guy? I can't remember. No? Yeah, I just hope he continues to perform after they already clinched their playoff spot and went in the yeah, what, buddy. NFC, AFC West or whatever it is. Yeah. You might have to sub him out. I have Jared Goff on the bench. Do you want Jared Goff to try Dude, and Goff get Goff has me? been Maybe raking. I mean, him and, yeah. who, him and Trevor Lawrence are all of a sudden like aces, man. Yep. So watch out for <laughs> me. Watch out. Hey, here's the thing. 
one of us is going to get into the championship. So what we should do is a side deal right here. If one of us gets in Ooh. and wins it, do we split the money split the or do we just say, forget you, I'm going for it. Hey, we used to be co-GM, so I don't know. I know, seriously. Well, I the, like winner, the winner pays the entry fee for the, the other guy next year, something like that. Oh, that's that. actually yeah, a good idea. That. That's actually a good idea. And always of course, one of us could win this game and not win the championship, and then we're still yeah. both hosts, just bragging just rights. Screwed, yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> it's always about bragging rights, but uh, that that's going to do it for this episode of Bleacher Blums. We are going to head into Christmas with this podcast. We, again, another year in the books, and we couldn't appreciate everybody more. The downloads keep coming. Please keep pumping the subscriptions. Get us out there because we're going to grind away until we get to – Joe Rogan's status with this thing. So we need you. We know who you are. We appreciate you. We wish you a very Merry Christmas. Stay as warm as you can. Let this freeze pass, and then we'll have a great Christmas weekend. Tell your amazing, great podcast, great friend. Wish you and the family a very Merry Christmas. Mark Ramos is, I mean, he is in the world of change right now. He is growing Ooh. at a fast rate. He is one of our small business buddies, partners who continues to grow, moving into his own space. Merry Christmas to him and his family. Merry Christmas to our Bleacher Blums family. You know who we like to thank at the end of this podcast. We continue to thank you. Tuttle, finish us off. Say your greetings and your blessings to everybody out there because I'm having a blast. I'm going to snowboard. I'm going to tell you all about it. And hopefully everybody gets what they want under that tree this year. Thank you. <laughs> Blummer, that's awesome. I appreciate that too. Are your, uh, this is a quick question. Are your girls sleeping right now? Are they, everyone still asleep? They just woke up. I'm getting texts uh, okay. right now that they're getting ready. So, I, I mean, for me to throw on some deodorant, we're going to go get the snowboards <laughs> and skis and we're going to hit it. All right. Awesome. Hey, so Blummer, I echo what you said. Obviously, um, it's you're a great friend. This has been a great uh, another year under the cap. I think um, we're probably going to need to do a few more years to get to Joe Rogan status. But uh, <laughs> I wish you and the family a Merry Christmas. Uh, enjoy the snow. Try not to uh, bruise yourself up too too badly. Um, and as you said, we want to you know send a Merry Christmas out to everybody. Um, the typical uh, soldiers near and abroad that you know give us the freedom to do what we do um healthcare workers teachers enjoy your time off we're going to enjoy our time off merry christmas to everybody all the listeners bleacher blums family if you're over the age of 45 don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer and we encourage you to get after it and after believe it. it believe it with this bonus check i'm putting in a swimming pool That's it. That's the big one. Clark, what's wrong? Honey. <laughs> it's bigger than you expected? <laughs> Smaller? It's a, it's a one year membership in the Jelly of the Month Club. Oh, good. Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. <laughs>